0: This is Richmond Biz Live, the weekly business radio talk show broadcast live from the studios at WLE News Talk 990. I am your host, William Eastman, managing partner of The Growth Works and executive producer of this show. And we are here, if you're an ongoing listener, then you know why we're here. And that is to finally provide a resource for those business owners looking to realize their dream and make the business pay off after years of investment of sacrifice. Every week, we share years of practical experience and research by the way. So we kind of do a little bit of both. We read and we do gain from gain from growing and selling our own businesses. Our methods are based upon business self-financing, their growth from zero to market leadership and hopefully to market domination. Uh, and who we are? Well, Richmond Biz Live is a team of recognized thought leaders in our fields of finance, branding, strategy, marketing, sales, productivity, technology, and people and most importantly everyone is and has been a successful business owner and so what we're providing you is our shortcuts to success that we've learned over the years this is the most significant 54 minutes of your week don't miss it and if you happen to miss it then you can go to our website richmondbizlive.com that's richmond b-i-z-l-i-v-e dot c-o-m and you can go to our resources section or the shows i would recommend go to the shows first You'll see season one, season two, season three, and then seasons one and two have all the podcasts. All of the shows are on there. All you got to do is click and download. And obviously for season three, everything up till today is also there. So you can watch, you can listen, and you can join. And you can watch us from the website and simply uh, click on the uh, video on the homepage, and it'll take you right to the webcam that's in the studio. Or obviously you can listen there. Um, Or... You can join us at 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or at 844 live. Okay. If it's time for you to have your business pay you back for years of investment and sacrifice, then be here every Friday at 12.06 p.m. on WLE News Talk 990 or stream us live from the website. And so with that, what I'd like to do, and by the way, we had some comments come in in uh, Jack Gravely's show last week that, uh, somebody wished that we would talk about startup issues. And all I can say is that everything that we discuss is also relevant to startups as well. And so, uh, again, download that library and we are really fleshing out the resources page on the website and we're going to be adding a lot of new text. So with that, what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about today's show. Today's show we have, um, we are going to be talking about reinventing the business. And for those listeners, um, those of you who are, are, um, new listeners to the show, uh, we were working from a model of a 5, 15, and 80. And what that model means is that if you look at bu- small businesses out there, about 80% of the companies are struggling to break even. And our first season was dedicated to helping those businesses get to break even so they can make the next move. 15% of the businesses out there have reached break even, and the question that they're asking themselves is, what's next? What can I do for the business? How do, how do I grow it and become a market leader? And so season two was dedicated to that group of people. And then this season is if you're lucky enough to be the 5%, then you have two choices. Choice number one is to reinvent the business, which is what we're going to be talking about today because you can't sustain it any other way than basically redoing it. Or number two, if your option is, well, it's time to sell, then next week and the previous week, every other week, we're going to be talking about buying and selling businesses. So today's show, we're going to be talking about, about financing the business. We got Linda Heath in the studio and then we're going to be talking about productivity and specifically new product development with Andy Schuick and then we're going to close the session out on the marketing and sales size with Mike Carroll. So Linda, welcome back.
1: Hi Bill, glad to be back. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing fine. I finally got I finally got my butt out of South, Southwest Virginia. It's a it is getting wild. I <laughs> I went into the office Monday thinking that I could work cuz I'm like way behind in my VP duties and I got a call from a client where we hadn't finished an installation. So I wound up installing cabinets and enclosures and countertops the last two days so that we could meet a deadline uh, for an account. So I'm really happy to be here.
1: I'll bet you are. Well, you know, that's a great lead-in. I have a surprise for you today.
0: Yeah? What's that surprise? We're
1: getting a call. Oh, (laughs) awesome. We keep talking about being a call-in show, and um, I have reached out to someone, Michael Smith, and when he, he calls in, we'll... Put him on with us. Um, But I wanted to go back four weeks ago when we launched this season. I had a quote that Apple, we were talking about in finance and reinvention of a business, what does that cost? And I found a a statistic that Apple spent $12 million per day on R&D. Just to sort of put things in context. And we talked about that a little bit. And then in uh, doing some research for the show, I found another quote where Steve Jobs actually said, that IBM spends a hundred times what Apple spends Mm -hmm. on R&D. And he said, but the magic is really in the human beings. It's the people. That's right. And so you were talking about having let down a customer down there in Southwest Virginia, and you had to go do an install. So I'm assuming that there's a human factor in that equation somewhere.
0: Yeah, we, um, you know, Andy has talked about this uh, when he's talking about productivity. What we basically did is we overtaxed the system. And we didn't have enough people on site to deliver. And that's what happened. So they
1: did all they could do, and then they just ran out.
0: Of and place. so we needed to know the body. So, you know, who's the most indispensable person in the company? Well, obviously the vice president is. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's Send him out advice. on the line and give him, a,
0: <laughs> give him a ruler and, and say, hey, install this stuff.
1: That's right. Do you carry a pencil behind your ear? That's, you know, the sign. No, of the but real. I carry a
0: tape measure on my belt now.
1: Okay. Well, that's a good thing. So let me introduce you to Michael while we're waiting for him to call. He is someone, he gave me the official you know, intro bio type information. He's had a lot of C's in front of a lot of different titles, but I want to give you the real scoop. Um, This is a man I listen to. I'm actually working with him in a coaching capacity for my company to take it to the next level. And what intrigues me about him, you know, you open the show every week talking about the people who um, provide information and we run our own businesses. And he was actually part of a family business when in his father had a very successful business. Um, He had been out of college, I think, out working on his own, went back into the family business and helped them innovate and take it to $33 million, some huge growth, which certainly fits our breakthrough listeners. Um, He's also worked in craft in big corporate America and was assigned um, a project in marketing to launch a new product, a new food product, where this company had normally taken at least 36 months to go from... I guess ingredients in the kitchen to out on the shelves, and he was able to get it done in six to eight months to do some innovative things.
0: Wow! Because in that industry, certainly the uh, the turnaround time from development to the market is critical. Because if you're if right. you're responding to customer taste,
1: and that was it,
0: your competitors are quickly going to pick up on that.
1: That's right. And uh, so, and the key was they actually won a national marketing award for a successful new product launch. So even though it was quicker, it was done well. And um, Michael just keeps me grounded that, uh, you know, Linda, I know for you it's all about the numbers, but it's really the people that make the difference. And I know you've talked a lot about leadership in the various programs, but um, I thought he could bring some focus to getting the people on board, the employees on board. Um, You know, like your situation, how do you get more mileage from employees when they're getting the same paycheck they always did? Or it's say, right. to them, it's the same company it always was. How do you take it in an innovative direction and get everybody going with you?
0: And so we're practicing some of the principles uh, that uh, John Case and Jack Stack talked about uh, from the 90s on open book management, where we're teaching the financials to the people on the floor mm-hmm. and giving them budgets. So when a job comes to the floor and we start machining it, they already know how many labor hours are tied up to that. Now, we haven't come up with a comp plan that will reward them for less time, but we will. Right. We we simply have got to run this for a while and then get our numbers down um, because what we don't want to do is make a bad mistake on comp. Either reward the wrong thing or over-reward something and then can't mm-hmm. stop it.
1: Right. Or even under-reward and they feel like it's just one more management yeah. promise.
0: Yeah. Well, I, that, that, that one I'm not so about Uh, my worry my worried is the wrong thing or we overcompensate and then pretty soon our margin is gone again i mean we're we're doing that we're doing that to raise margin
1: exactly and you all have it's going to take a long time that you need to operate at that level just based on what i understand from our conversations before they can continue to retain enough in the bottom line to really strengthen that balance sheet to support all this growth that you're talking about
0: that's right That's right. Well, and our challenge was we don't we never knew exactly how much work could be done. And so when you look at the capacity of a facility, how do you determine what you can do? Well, part of that's what the machinery will do. And the other part of is what the people will do.
1: Well, why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Um, You know, start with do you think Steve Jobs was right when he talked about the human factor and the innovation? I feel like I ought to reach out to Michael. Yeah, why don't you? His call hasn't come in yet.
0: All right, and uh, if he if he has if he's struggling with the toll free, just give him the local and see if that's the issue because the toll free is camped here
1: on the local. So hopefully he's like. So is that yeah. the seven eight eight number?
0: That right there. Yep. Yeah.
1: Eight. Okay, Michael, we're reaching out to you. 804-788-0990 is another way to get into the studio.
0: Okay. Uh, the thing about um, the human factor and innovation, and Andy Andy hit on it two weeks ago, and he's going to hit on it again. Um, uh, the way I want you to think about this is that you have two choices. Choice number one is you have incredibly fabulous people that are just awesome at what they do. And you put them in an, or, an environment where there's not a lot of systems, and not a lot of processes. Or number two is you have, you have great processes in place and average people. Not, not exceptional people, just average people. And so if you look at it that way, the question would be which company – is going to outperform the other. And the answer is the company that's got great processes and average people will outperform the company with no processes and great people every day. However, if you build great processes and then you attract the talent like Apple did, now we're talking about a game changer. And that was the thing about Apple. Apple had a great innovation process. It wasn't just everybody got together ad hoc and did it. They had a great process then. They put really high quality people in those jobs, and that's what put them, uh, you know, shoulder above. And you know, you know, what? Uh, would IBM spend uh, outspend them by a factor of ten, a hundred, a factor of a hundred didn't make any difference. Right. It didn't make any difference right. because they were night, tightly focused on what they what their customers really wanted. And in their case, they really had the disadvantage of they created things that people didn't know they wanted or needed until, until they, they made thought-
1: it. Yeah, one of the things Michael has taught me, and I think we've got him on the line, is um, that what Apple makes is beautiful, it's cool, and it's something else. I can't remember, but he had three words, and I thought, yeah, I want it. It has soul.
0: The products have soul.
1: A life of their own. That's right. So is, is he online with us? Michael Smith. This is Linda Heath. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Hi, Linda. Hi, Bill. (laughs) Welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks. It's great to be with you.
1: I don't know if you're podcasting and watching as you talk, but uh, we're sharing one set of headphones. Um, And so I've introduced you, and uh, Bill was talking about the idea with Steve Jobs right? And so why don't you pick up there with your perspective?
2: Well, certainly. Yeah, I I was listening in, and I I heard your Uh, Steve Jobs' quote, and I I have to tell you my experience, Steve Jobs is absolutely right. People matter. And here's why they matter. Uh, All results, in my experience, are driven by people, whether they're on the team, whether they're clients, whether they're competitors, regulators, whatever that might be. But let's talk about people on the team. All the results are driven by people. And that includes financial results, which is why it makes sense for us to talk about people in a financial segment. Numbers are some of the results of what people do. And I believe the owners should always be aware that it is people that make the difference between what they can personally accomplish and what an organization can accomplish. We, we talked a little bit, and I've heard Bill talk a little bit about organizations that, that hit it out of the park. Uh, smaller businesses and mid-sized businesses, it's still the same message. It's important to have the right people. So essentially people for a business owner, are a primary difference between owning a job and owning a business. And it's all about performance of that organization.
0: So, uh, Mike, what, what, what's your take on the difference uh, between an organization where they're getting average performance out of people and where they're getting great performance?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, I've said that people matter, uh, and in my view, the only thing that matters more than people is the right people, as Jim Collins has told us. Uh, the best performance results from having the right people in the right jobs with the right tools, and the tools is about provision. So in my experience, what I would tell my senior management team is that mantra, right people, right jobs, right tools, in order to make sure we're all aligned. So who are the right people? Well, if you're leading a company, they are those people who connect with the higher purpose that you serve, the thing that you are ultimately contributing to, that these people can also own and contribute to by virtue of being on your team. And that's a that's a 100,000-foot view. It's about the higher purpose you serve. You might ask the question of, what is it that we're doing to make the world a better place, or what is it that we're doing to improve people's lives at that level? And that boils down eventually to your particular vehicle for contributing to that higher purpose. But nonetheless, it's the higher purpose that allows people to connect viscerally in their guts uh, with, with where you're trying to go. And the right people also are the people who connect with your organization's values, how you behave, how you show up, how you treat each other, how you treat customers, how you behave in your community, how you behave towards your competitors, all the constituencies out there. So these two persons, yeah, Linda, I
1: I want to um, ask a somewhat contrarian question in there because I hear you talking about having the right people and the right jobs and set up, and I I agree with that. Um, When I had my first company, which was a construction company, I had a business partner who had a lot more experience, and he had said, Linda, we're going to have all aces, all top performers. And I looked at him and I said, well, Gary – People don't, not everybody is an ace. There's a bell curve out there. I took statistics in college. I know this. There's a bell curve. I would much rather build a company that could be very, very successful with average people, with the people under the bell curve, because everybody's competing for those outliers at one end and the other. And my sense is that these people want to have a job where they can come to work every day, feel good about what they do, and take care of their families. And I just feel like we ought to be able to organize our company so that Um, they have a shot at at fulfilling their dreams while they're fulfilling ours.
2: And that's a, a lofty objective, and I would agree with that. But the choice that you're making if you're doing that is between average and great performance, which is where this question started. How do you get the best performance? And the best performance, in my experience, is the right people in the right jobs with the right tools, and those people fit the chemistry and culture of the company in terms of what the organization is trying to achieve and the values that they share in their behavior. Let me give you an example of that real quickly, and it also ties back to the Steve Jobs thing. Um, About a century ago, there was also an innovation, uh, several innovations going on. One of those was manned flight, and we had two players, one of whom people have forgotten, and that would be uh, Charles Langley. Uh, He's still famous, and things are named after him, but we don't think about him when we think about manned flight. The other group was the Wright brothers, who we all know. Now, the Wright brothers were a couple of guys from Ohio that ran a bicycle shop, and they had a vision of manned flight that would change the world. They didn't have any money. They didn't have a great team. They had those average players. The competition, Langley, was government-funded, which meant he could hire the best of the best of the best, the A players you were just talking about. But his ambition, which was large, was to be first and to be famous. So when the Wright brothers, because their guys were all aligned around the purpose, and they had some other things going for them, which I'll talk about too. There's alignment, and they were following two leaders who were living out the values of that organization. They believed it. They knew it was going to happen. They knew that they were going to change the world, and they just kept on trying and kept on trying. Langley gave up after his second failure, not the Wright brothers. They failed repeatedly. So there's an example. There's a story that goes back to people, not necessarily A players, but certainly aligned around vision and values and following a leader they could believe in.
1: So how important, I think we've got just a, couple minutes left how important um... then are the qualities of leadership and um... how do we i think everyone out there running a business probably believes that they are good leaders um... i overheard a conversation in the bathroom yesterday evening where two women were discussing their manager and um... they probably had a different opinion of that manager so how do we motivate our audience to strive for another level of leadership
2: Well, you bring out a great point uh... management versus leadership uh, a leader's role, a CEO's role, a business owner's role, in my view, is not management. It's leadership. In a high-performing organization, the CEO leads people, and those people lead people who manage systems. So you lead people, you manage systems, and leadership matters. So the, lead, the role of leadership here is to provide a higher purpose, as I said, keep that vision visible, which means give people something to believe in. And like the Wright brothers, Good leadership also lives out the organizational values. Give people someone to follow, and leadership also holds people accountable. So we're all on the same page. We have shared vision, shared values, and shared responsibility, and that adds up to commitment, and that makes the difference between average and great.
0: Well, that sounds that's pretty close. I I don't think you listened to last week's show, but I had a similar conversation, uh, Michael, uh, with the audience that uh, I saw a leadership. As kind of providing a vision and then doing a little bit of the alignment, and then that what management was was more of coordination and re, and the removable obstacles. Yeah, uh, you've got you to have people a, and say how how can I help you do a better job today, absolutely. and making that obstacle go away because most people work in systems or in organizations where they're successful in spite of, not because of the systems in mm-hmm. place. hmm That's
2: a familiar story. You know, doing the the things around leadership that give people the things that they need, providing the the vision, providing the communication structures, the alignment, and the examples of how to live out the values. That's heavy lifting, but the rewards for that are great, and that is the role of a a CEO.
1: Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a great slant, the human side of the numbers, and we're going to put your information, but this was Michael Smith joining us as a guest today. He's a president of Endpoint Advisors and advocate and... um, His contact information will be on the website when Bill gets it posted. No.
0: Thanks. Great to be with you today. Thank you. And we'll be back.
1: Hello. I'm Linda Heath, President of Financial Holographics and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need.
3: As a business leader, have you developed a highly productive work environment? Do you create a work-life experience that is self-motivating, enjoyable, and rewarding for your fellow workers, vendors, suppliers, and most importantly, yourself? To navigate to a pleasurable work-life experience, which will provide the means for you to have a fantastic full-life experience, contact me, Andy Schulich, for a free consultation on the web at metamorphosismc.com.
0: And we're back. This is WLE News Talk 990. The show is richmondbizlive.com. Um, this is William Eastman, your host, uh, executive producer of the show and also managing partner for a, a small business growth company called GrowthWorks. And we're back. And I really appreciate Linda bringing Mike on. Uh, I've had a chance to meet Mike a couple times and talk. So uh, quite an incredible insight he had, and especially when you know we basically didn't coordinate any of that in terms of, oh, I'll say this and you say that. And what he was talking about today is what I talked about last week. So either we're reading the same books or it might actually be right. You know, who knows? Anyway, um, next segment, by the way, join in 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. Or if you want to dial local, it's 788-0990. In the studios, Andy Shulick. And Andy um, is on the area and and topic of new product, and service development and you know, for those of listeners who've been with his first two seasons uh Andy has been our lean expert he's also been our expert on productivity but this season Andy is our expert on developing new things you know you've gone as far as you can go you've got to take the, the the business to another level Well, okay let's uh let's see what else we can do for the great accounts we have and potentially some new accounts so Andy Welcome back to the studio
3: well i appreciate it and i'm glad to be here and uh, yeah this is a very exciting topic because it gets involved with market research and so um, why is market research you know so important well it's used to analyze both the internal and um, external needs of a corporation and in doing so um, we can go ahead and not only use our knowledge that we have internal to the company but we can go ahead and acquire outside resources, and I call it our affiliates, people that we work with, um, to go ahead and help us do this. And so, you know, well, what is market research, basically? Market research is a a gathering and analysis of information, sort of picture it as a study, uh, related to identifying a target market uh, which has uh, specific characteristics. And it could be like, you know, uh, an age group, or it could be maybe you like uh, products made out of milk or something like that. So it could be something like that. Or a boat uh, golfing. Um, th- this study um, that, that we investigate the consumer's needs and products' values um, really drives customer buying. Uh, it also drives us in what our branding is. And the success or failure of our uh, competitors can be looked as a part of this market study. Means of gathering data can be uh, a census, survey, uh, opinion poll, a ballot. Most importantly, a sample uh, market testing or focus groups are very, very helpful, to name a few. Uh, The initial and ongoing collection of information from continuous market research uh, helps us generate new methodologies and theories that will enable uh, our business to identify trends and changes in customer purchasing behaviors.
0: And, 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 I, and Andy, I just want to add there, because Mike's, uh, Mike Carroll and I have discussed this at length, is that this is a great place if your sales force has the right orientation. This is a great place to bring in sales, because sales has been collecting this information And one knows what the strengths and weaknesses of the current product lines or services we sell, but also probably know man, if we made that, could we sell a ton of it? Right. And so by getting this uh, market
3: research information, uh, it helps us to maintain our leadership in the market with our present product, or maybe to develop uh, a uh, lower market leadership to a higher market leadership, or to basically get a completely new product out there on the market. Um, and most importantly, once we get this, this is really the foundation for developing some of my, our businesses strategies and going forward. It helps develop the Absolutely. forward plan, which is very
0: important. Yeah, especially I see you're going to talk about product lifecycle. Um, if you know what those are, you actually, if you look at a company like, say, HP and Printers, they have planned obsolescence already. They already know when they introduce the HP whatever that they already are now thinking about the next HP and they're going to take it out before the competition. So that way I can put that into my strategy. I can say what products are we going to obsolesce this year? So when we look
3: at doing market research, uh, well who basically is involved in doing this? In uh, years past, only the uh, product production or service business, would be involved with performing the market research. But in today's business environment, uh, progressive market research consists of really a team of businesses involved in the design and delivery of the product to the end customer. Uh, Thus, the team may consist of uh, the production firm who came up with the idea, suppliers that work with the firm, consultants, distributors, retailers that the firm works with, and others depending upon the product or service in question. And this concept is very powerful for each group has a unique expertise and looks at the product from a different angle. Because if you're just coming from one uh, culture, you see it, you're blindsided, you have blinders on.
0: That is so true.
3: And so the sum of all these uh, items creates very powerful team that can create comprehensive research tools, perform very broad but detailed analysis on the research data, transform the data into very accurate information, and develop products and improvements that have a high probability of success. Uh, Additionally, this team effort creates high business performance environment of success for all that are impacted because all must abide by the team's decision. Versus in the past, if I was the one creating it, uh, I'm the the um, dictator, and so what I say goes.
0: Right. Which which, by the way, Steve Jobs, since we were talking about him earlier, was able to do that. But for every genius like Steve Jobs, um, who who knows what a product ought to be before anybody else, for the most part, we've got to reach out to other people to make those decisions.
3: And and what's important in, in, in the teaming aspect here is in the past everything was face to face you had to go and meet in a room with everybody gathered and there was a lot of travel involved and all that but now you know due to modern technology you know we have Dropbox for sharing files Basecamp for doing project management Google Docs for collaboration documents Skype uh, Webex uh, and also video conferencing so you can get the face to face but you don't have to be in the same room that's right so that's very, very important. Plus, data collection analysis is now readily done, big data, as they say. Uh, but the initial face-to-face meeting uh, is sometimes necessary for the, as we call the kickoff meeting, so right. that you do start to develop some relationships, because everything really is based on relationships.
0: Yeah, so it would be like if you look at a project, you got a series of tasks. You can probably do those online, not in person, but at the Milestones, That's probably a time for people to come together, close one out, open up the next. Yeah.
3: So, you know, what are some of the challenges uh, in doing this? Well, the key item that must be developed is the strong relationships amongst the team members. And it's necessary to promote openness in voicing an opinion or presenting data, establishing honesty, trust, and belief in information presented be focused on a solution in which one is proactive to assist and be involved. Very important. One shares knowledge base with all the others and supports others' ideas and contributions. It is also necessary for each member to educate the team on what they do, how it is done, and time it takes to do it, plus their knowledge resources and their customer base characteristics that they deal with. So, this way, everybody can understand where everybody's coming from. Right, because what things are talking.
0: Because what I want you to visualize this: you've got people from inside the company, which is probably from your manufacturing engineering group. You got people from inside the company in sales, who have some sense of the customer. You've got suppliers in there, and you got customers in there. Yeah. And so it's a very disparate group, and part of that is getting them to understand each other's perceptions. Yes. That therefore you can begin to pull that together to come out with a better decision. Right.
3: And as the, the team that puts all this together or the, the company that puts it together, it is very important that that company uh, relinquish the concept of total control and decision making and distribute it amongst the team and what the team comes up and, with.
0: And, and that's a critical point because as the owner of the business, you know, if, if we go through the stages that you've been through, you've gone from direct command and control, you know, the hub and spoke we talked about where you're the hub and everybody else radiates around you to a process-based system, to a results-based system. Now what we're talking about is a team-based system. The only way you can get innovation is to bring together groups like this who have a wide variety of skill sets and then find a way of getting them to work together. Right.
3: So, you know, with the sharing of of this knowledge, um, there is the sharing of creation, production profits lessons learned and all of these create a higher probability of success possibly a shorter project development duration and possible a higher rate of return on investments with less risk right and so as they say one plus one plus one equals not three but greater than three, three when you work with a team that's
0: right called synergy
3: yeah so businesses in the past, um, they wanted to do it all, like I said, and control the aspect. Uh, but with the advent of Lean Six Sigma coming into the play, you know, we've seen that these businesses now, instead of controlling 100 percent and producing 100 percent, such as in car manufacturer, mm-hmm. they own the subsidiary that did the uh, Engines and they did the brakes, right, and the cable harnesses for the electrical distribution. Now, basically, those companies own twenty-five to fifty percent of the total, and their affiliates buy in with this. And if one important thing is really is to uh, the going after the lowest bid doesn't exist anymore because everybody has, as they say, skinny in the game. And it's really important that by working together, you have a win-win situation for all, and so and that even includes sharing the total the profits because the end price is based upon everybody's aggregate as it comes together, and you don't want to go ahead and uh, have somebody not make a profit because then you lose their support.
0: Right, and so uh, let's just stop there for a quick second. What Andy's talking about is if I got a customer involved with the development. Of a product or service we're about to sell them, um, what we want to do is we want to reduce the price of that to them because of the labor that they've put into this. And if you think about, well, where's is, where's is my margin coming from? Uh, most most organizations, the cost of sales, if you put marketing and selling in together, are between twenty and thirty percent. That's where you're going to be taking your money from because you don't have to market it. Also, it means you select very well because want to work on something that once we're done with this client and we've got it installed and it works then we can generalize and take it to everybody else and they pay full boat yeah and
3: and another really important thing is as far as the driving business it also means that the driving business doesn't uh, have a large capital and expense investment into the product and so it takes advantage of the continuous growth skills and knowledge of each of these um Affiliates, and uh, because each one is a subject matter expert. And so these uh, items allow all to stay on top of current trends and technology developments. And the driving team doesn't have to have all that expenditure and education to educate everybody, keep them on board because everybody is keeping themselves up to date. Very, right. very important. So, in closing, um, I would say the driving. Product or service company creates a product research team consisting of internal personnel and various types of external personnel. The company encourages the use of various types of communication technologies to enhance the understanding and shorten the product production cycle. Additionally, uh, the company relies on joint ventures with its affiliates to deliver a final product to the customer, the final customer for which all share in the revenue stream. Uh, This process creates a product that meets the customer's needs, is of high quality, is state-of-the-art, and offers the end customer value.
0: Okay. And and, and trust me, it does work. And we're about to apply these principles that Andy's talking about uh, at the plant down in uh, southwest Virginia, almost said the name, here very, very shortly, as soon as we clean up a few messes. So, Andy, how do people get in touch with you?
3: Uh, You can reach me on the web at metamorphosismc.com or go on to our new revised website, website. uh, RichmondBizLive.com.
0: And and we're there. And when we come back from the break, I'll talk a little bit about the website and what's different. So, Andy, good seeing you. See you in two weeks.
3: Well, thank you. I enjoyed it.
0: And we'll be back.
4: Are you frustrated with underwhelming sales performance? Tired of selling cycles that are long and drawn out? Are your marketing and sales efforts aligned to effectively capture market share? Hi, I'm Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Catch me this Saturday at 10 a.m. on WLEE 990 a.m. for a discussion about the latest sales and marketing trends and tips from the industry leader in sales and professional development, Sandler Training. Listen to discover the time-tested Sandler sales philosophies and methods that have helped thousands of companies and professionals sell more easily for over 40 years. Find out the most effective behaviors, attitudes, and techniques, along with strategies to dominate your market. Finally, you can discover how to overcome the obstacles to sales growth. Finally, take the pressure out of sales and sell the Sandler way. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to find out more and download our latest sales-related white papers.
0: And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live, the radio show for small business owners who are looking to get payoff from their business for all the years of sacrifice and investment. You can join the conversation at uh, 788-0990 or 788-990, I believe would be the correct way of saying that. Uh, Let me talk a little bit about the website before we uh, went on break, and then I'll come back and introduce Mike uh, Carroll back to the audience and that is, we just did a revision on the website, and it's the first one we've done since beginning of Season 1. And what we've done there, we've tried to lay it, out, lay it out a little bit more intelligently. In the past, we had everything on too many different pages. So basically, you want to know what we've covered. We have Season 1, 2, and 3. So if you go to the website, hit the Shows tab, then you'll see underneath that you'll have three choices. Season 1, Season 2, Season 3. You can download the program guide for the seasons or click that and in season one they'll have each show from every week and the requisite um, podcast and all you got to do is click on podcast so say podcast number 1.3 which means season one show three click it and there you are and I believe that show would give you uh, Mike Carroll and Mike welcome back thanks a lot
4: Bill good to be here good to be here excited to be here so uh, hey you just got out of the classroom Yeah. turned it over to Patrick and, and drove straight down. So
0: who well, knows you're, you're, you're probably hot right now.
4: <laughs> I'm warmed up. You were, on the, you were on the
0: podium, rocking, rocking them. So. Alrighty. Yes, yes.
4: Uh, well, we talked about identifying our detailed customer, really our topics today. Right. And then, then the profitable customers. I mean, if you got any lead ins that, that you want to look there, because well,
0: I I, I think for the, for our listeners, you've, I know Mike and I have talked about this a bunch of different ways and a bunch of different times about looking for the most profitable customers. And in the past, we talked more about who do we currently have that are the most profitable. This whole conversation now today is given the profile internally of our most profitable customers, who else is out there who look just like this that we haven't reached? Because it's far easier to go there than to, than to go out and find accounts that uh, we don't know anything about them. Right. You know, even though I don't know this company per se, let's say you were making a sales call and distribution business, you know the distribution business. And so you know where the strengths and the weaknesses are, and you probably know what the sales points are before you ever get there. And that's what we're talking about here is that as Andy's working on a new product development and we're bringing in the sales force and we're bringing in customers, what are we trying to do? identify the people who have an undermet or unmet need and the financial wherewithal to join in and help develop this new product or service.
4: Sure. And, you know, that really goes back, if you go back to sh- to show one, we really talked about yeah. what does our sales model look like? Right. What's the persona of our customers? And then we went from there to, hey, identifying our sweet spot customers. And that's what you're looking at. And I think when you, we we've talked about, how companies move through their growth stages. And we're in that top 5%. So yep. we're either coming out of an expansion or in an expansion. We probably have gone from maturity. because so I think right. most companies, when you mature, you kind of hit the ceiling. Right. And then you go through an expansion if you're going to continue right. to if, grow. Right, or, or
0: you sell. And exactly so, right. And so we're not talking about selling. We're talking about, hey, this was fun. Let's do this again. Right.
4: Well, you know, one of the things I want to emphasize as far as identifying that ideal customer, because we talked a lot about that as as you move through that startup to a growth company, mm-hmm. you know to um, an exp- to, to a mature uh, company what what are the challenges? Well, in today's environment, you've got to continually be evaluating who is my ideal customer. you know what because, you know, we talk about market trends mm-hmm. you know it, it, we've got to look at market trends for our customers to see what's coming at them because all of a sudden and I and here's where I'm going. I don't know if I'm connecting this right but here's when when you look at uh, you you know because you, if you're in a growth company that the market usually gives you lots of opportunities it and does. a lot of those opportunities can burn you up. If you get to go in the wrong directions and you haven't identified who that ideal customer is, right? That's right. You know what I'm saying? that's, so I think when you step back and look at ideal customer is a company has gotten up to the point where where they are established. um, They're in that top 5%. You got a lot of those things. You got to be careful that you don't, you, you know, you don't get comfortable and you're not continuously evaluating what the ideal customer looks like.
0: Because that they can be changing. Yeah. In fact, uh, Jack Welsh, every year when he was a GE, he had a thing called top grading. Absolutely. And top grading, when applied to accounts, were what's the what's our best accounts and worst accounts, and they would chop off the bottom 10% to make room for either expansion with their top 10 or a new top 10%. Right.
4: right. Well, and w- without a doubt, that's what you've got to – that's why – and I think today – because that book, Jack Welch wrote that, what, how many years ago? Uh, mid-90s, probably 20 years ago now. Yeah. So I think the business environment today, there's a lot, there's a lot more pressure to be right. in tune to what customers are the ideal. Now, and part of that, you know, the second part of today's topic is who are the most profitable. Right. Now, I think that. That really comes down to, you know, one of the things that we work with our clients with a lot is when we first get introduced uh, and we start a project is we want to know, why do people buy from you? Yeah. You know, why the customers come to your business to buy your products or services? And that's one of those things that you've got to continually be doing. When you look at your, your core accounts, okay, are the reasons that they came to us initially when we started their relationships, do they still have those same needs? Do they have those, Right. you know, are we synchronized in delivering the right kind of values to them? You know, I, I think it's an overused term, but I think everybody needs to be looking, is my value proposition really still a value?
0: Right. Right.
4: You know, especially to where, you know, the old 80-20 rule, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 20% of our accounts delivering 80% of our, of our sales. Our mo- right. Are we the, Are we in line with those people? Yeah. So there's, and I go back to, I, I wanted to touch this. Are we continually looking at our sales model? Are we, because you know, you look at transactional sales model right. where, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's not a lot of, of front end activity with the mm-hmm. buyer. The buyer makes the decision they know what they want. They buy spec. They buy application, right? Right. The other end is, is relationship, where you've got a lot of different variables. So there's a longer-term relationship. I think we have to continually know where we are as far as what does our sales model look like.
0: Right. Right. I, and, and I agree. And, and, and perhaps maybe yearly is not is not frequent enough. Maybe it's quarterly. Maybe maybe what you're discussing now, and I think about this, is every quarter getting together with my sales managers and sales team, even if that's just one person going, what are you seeing? And right. one of the things I'm trying to ask myself, are we still a value proposition for our core accounts? Because the other side of that is if we're not, we're in jeopardy. Whatever the cycle of sales are, we're in jeopardy in the next cycle. Because you can guarantee we're either not going to buy or they're going to buy less or they're going to buy less frequently or there's going to be a longer time uh, lapse between purchases. And so we're definitely at risk. Yeah.
4: Well, and, and, and the, w- without a doubt. You know, I think there's a couple things that should be on a monthly sales meeting is, you know, you know, is our value, value proposition, is, is it still as valuable as it used to be? And, and when we look at our core accounts, you know, is that value proposition still hitting the bullseye? Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that we have to continually be asking for is, How can we deliver more value, more services to existing clients right? without getting ourselves in trouble? Because, Bill, you know what happens a lot, especially in growth companies. I mean, that's where all of a sudden everything is scaled up in your business. And if you don't have the right talent, okay, if you haven't pulled in the right talent as you go through that growth stage and you're not delegating, yeah, you know, then you—that's where you get burned. That's where companies burn out a lot of times. Right. But let's just say we've gotten past that. I think we have to continually be looking at. We, you know, what we said before—we should, we should be bringing to the customer things that they need that they don't even know they need. That's right. Okay. That's a great. That's a great mantra. We should be bringing to the customer things that they need before they know they need them.
0: And, and what we discussed on that is was doing market research on them and their industry and, and basically being their research arm so every time one of our salespeople paid a visit to them, they learned something they didn't know. Right. And the odds are they will take that visit or that call every time it happens. Right. Can I see you next week? Oh, yeah, you can see me. Because what am I expecting? I'm expecting, hey, I'm going to learn something about my business I didn't know.
4: Right. Well, in, the, you know, there's... When you look at a lot of the the topics that we've discussed here on the show, and then we recently did one, um, you know, on the cycle, the life cycle of a company, as we, you know, like you said, you you know, go from expansion to maturity, uh, and and then from that standpoint, um, where do you go next? And I think that's one of the things that when you – I don't – it doesn't make any difference what size your business is. Kind of decide where are you, because there's lots of information over the the. You go, go on the internet and Google life cycle of a business. Good information, uh, and kind of say where am I. Right. And you know there was a website out there that I know that I was exposed to that really told us, okay, these are the pitfalls that you got to be watching as as you move through these various growth stages of your business. Life. So, of course, we still got to know, and the real focus is who is that ideal customer, Mm -hmm. and you got to be tracking the profitability. That's going to be determined how they want to buy from you. You know, how they buy. In other words, what does it cost for you to do the transaction? Right. What does it cost to follow up? All those things. So, so you. That means you got to have good processes across the board. Or Good. or you or you can't
0: or you can't determine the cost.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so obviously the demands are out there. I think that almost every aspect of a of business today, from a, the sales function, is you've got to have continuous evaluation, which Ben, talk, ben talked. Ben Murrah talked about the tracking. And then the other thing is, I think you have to strive to be continuously innovating.
0: Right. In new ways. Well, and I think um, as as we get close to the hour, the thing is, is that in two weeks, you got to get your marketing and advertising hat on because what we're where we're going to go now is, okay, I'm ready to get that hockey stick growth. How do I aggressively get in the market and use marketing and advertising to generate sales?
4: Absolutely. And that's all about understanding your best customers, right? right. That's what you said. All right. Hey, that's Mike, right. thanks a lot. Thank you. Enjoy Good. it, Bill. Good Excuse seeing you again. Yes, hey, sir. you
0: going back to the podium, or are you gonna let Patrick teach us today? I'm letting him have it. All right, man. Have a great weekend. I will do that. So, hey, we've got uh, a couple minutes left. Let me just give you some concluding thoughts here as we are uh, we're about halfway through now uh, season three, and uh, the, the really the really the issue here with your business is understand where you are, and are you the eighty percent, the fifteen percent, or the five percent? Are you struggling to keep it going and you're trying to figure out how do I get to the break even? So I have predictable and stable cash flow, or we're okay. We got money, but I really don't know what to do next with the business or the third one, which is the focus of this season here is I'm there and I'm trying to make up my mind. Should I sell the business? Which if that's the case next week is the place to be, or if not, I'm going, no, I want to do that again. Then this is where to be. And so with that, what I'd like to say is visit our website, richmondbizlive.com and check out uh, the new site check out some of the resources i'm going to be posting a lot of stuff on uh, for the remainder of the day and i think everything you need to run your business you'll find there and if you don't just hit the contact us and ask for something Um, i will guarantee between all of us we have it so with that have a great business week wealth and prosperity